A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to the Football Writers Podcast. My name is Mike Calvin. I'm joined by Tom Hopkinson of the Sunday Mirror and Daniel Storey, the author and columnist. Sack the manager. How many times have we heard that? Didn't work out too well for Watford, did it? It's a seductively simple solution to a complicated problem. Or, in the case of Maurizio Pochettino, plain daft. Should those Spurs fans calling for his head be careful for what they wish for? Tom? Yes. I mean, it's, it's just a, a crazy uh, thing to be suggesting. Um, they didn't end the Premier League season particularly well last year. Um, haven't started this one consistent fashion but they got to a Champions League final and the man has done it without making signings for a couple of transfer windows he's brought on a squad uh, that few other managers in world football could have got out of what what he's managed to get out of uh, it, it just seems incredible um, I I get there was a little bit of a weird summer um, with Maurizio Pochettino saying himself before the Champions League final that if he won it, that he might quit. Um, although when you look at that now, it makes more sense than ever, doesn't it? Because, you know, the manager knew what, uh, what his players are capable of. He knew that there wasn't going to be as much uh, movement in the summer as, as perhaps he would have liked. They failed to get out several of the players, didn't they? When you think about Aurier didn't go, Alder Viral, there was a lot of talk that he could go, but nothing happened there. And he didn't get the players in that he wanted. Um, I, I think it's, it's obviously crazy for Tottenham fans to be suggesting that he should go. But I do think at the end of this season, uh, I think that perhaps it will be time for everyone to, to take stock. The big question, of course, though, if he does go and when he does go, whether it's now, next summer, the summer after... Who do you replace a man like Pochettino with? Mm. You saw them at the weekend, mm -hmm. Dan. Um, what were your impressions? Away from home, they are pretty wretched, it should be said. 2018, they had the best points per game record of any team in England away from home. And they've clicked into 2019 and it's just fallen off a cliff. They start slowly as if kind of uneasy, which is pretty true of every team that's lacking a bit of confidence away from home. Um, and I think the system is is struggling to deal with a counter-attacking threat. Leicester were all over them like a rash. Uh, they don't play a holding midfielder because Harry Winks is a passer and Don Belly and Sissoko like to push, you know, carry the ball on. Lamella was playing as the kind of number 10 at the tip of the diamond. So they didn't really have anyone to stop that happening. And they don't really have anyone. Eric Dyer is sort of injuries, illness, bad form. Victor Wanyama's 
Tottenham career seems to have been coming for an end to, for about two years now. But they're the only two there. So they kind of need to find a solution to that. But um, they, they tend to start seasons quite slowly, Tottenham. And then they click on into some, one of these runs where they feel unbeatable. And you, for all the talk of mini-crisis, they're ahead of Chelsea, who finished above them last year. They're ahead of Man United, who finished directly below them last year. Um, and they're only three points off third. So... We've had six games. You can quite easily see how they clip back into form. They'd have been in Newcastle at home, which they should have done. They'd be third in the Premier League right now. So yeah. it's not. Mm. I, but you've got the frustration, which is obvious. You, you, when you've got Harry Kane saying, look, we're making the same mistakes mm. all the time, yeah. that begs another question, which is, will he now start looking further afield? Yeah, I mean, look, Harry Kane, we've, we've been wondering that for a long time now. He's contracted till 2024. It's going to take an incredible amount of money for a club to, to get him out of there. And, you know, Harry Kane doesn't fit into Manchester City's system, where he's not going to get past Aguero or, or Jesus, I don't think. Uh, Liverpool don't need him. Got the best front three, arguably, in the world at the moment. Uh, Manchester United... Maybe, but is that a step up from Tottenham as things stand? You could argue, yes, bigger, bigger club, bigger fan base, bigger profile. Um, but he's at a club that he's, you know, he's come through. He's, he's the main man there, and, and if he went to Old Trafford, maybe that might be a positive for him, not not carrying the weight of the team on his shoulders. But I, I, I just think it, it looks. You look at Spurs, and and I, I think I'm, I'm sure, given the weekend results, we'll talk about Watford mm, a little yes. bit later in the show. But we, we spoke to Craig Cathcart um, a couple of weeks ago when uh, Grazia was was sacked and Sanchez Flores came in, and he talked about the hangover from losing the FA Cup final um, and the malaise that that seems to have caused within the squad. It's just raised a few doubts, and I, I think I think it's. We shouldn't underestimate what getting to a Champions League final, particularly when you're not expected to get to one, and then losing it and really not playing and not not playing the, as well as you can, anywhere near as well as you can do. The regrets and the sort of just general feeling of, of down that you can have after that. I, I think it does take longer for people to for players to get over, no matter how professional they are. Sometimes you can't just go away and have a summer holiday and everything's forgotten because as soon as you come back into the changing room and it starts getting talked about a little bit, you know, what about the Champions League final? What could we have done better? This, that. And again, as I say, that, that malaise can just creep back in. So I've, I've no doubts that Tottenham will turn it around, but it just needs, it, it might, you know, it's just going to need that couple of games for them, as, as Daniel said, when they do click, it, mm. it will finally click for them for this season. We, we said you know, in the intro, it's a, a, a pretty... Um, the simplistic thing to do, okay, so just sack the manager. Mm. Because it's a much broader issue. You're looking at relationships with either a chief exec or an owner, um, you know, a hysterical fan base. You've got to deal with that side of things. Um, in Tottenham's case, is this problem partly of their own making, i.e. because they're enslaved by the business plan, Pochettino is under certain pressures which will have an impact over the long run? Yeah, I think so. And then the kind of the positive flip side to that is that they've kind of become victims of their own success. And that if Tottenham had finished fourth or fifth for the last three seasons and got to the last 16 of the Champions League, then Pochettino would probably be seen to be doing a, a pretty good job, maybe even a very good job. The fact that they've you know, the fact that they've finished in the top four consecutively, the fact that they've reached a Champions League final, inevitably that means that when there's a small drop-off, it's sold as disappointment, and understandably sold as disappointment, because standing still is sold as kind of moving backwards. Mm. So I think they have become a victim of their success, and I think, I think they've achieved 
far beyond their right in terms of their transfer activity. Even this summer, Pochettino wanted certain players and he got some of them, but they came in the final hours of the transfer window as if they were, as if they were trying to negotiate and try and be savvy. And actually, it just ends up annoying the manager. It ends up creating a system whereby people don't really know their place. You know, Danny Rose wasn't really expected to be at Tottenham no. this season, but because they didn't sign Sessegnon early, he stays. Now suddenly he's flavour of the month and playing pretty well at left-back. But there's no certainty there, really. Alderweireld, the same. Van, the Tonga wasn't inside the start of the season because his head was everywhere. Mm. Eriksson's head was everywhere. Deli Alli's been in and out of the side for about the last year because he can't get fit. There's such a huge hangover, I think, from not just losing the Champions League final, but also having to flog this core of players over and over again over yeah. the last two years. Mm. I just think they're partly pretty tired. And was, what was interesting as well, I, I was at the uh, press conference when Pochettino revealed that he'd been out for dinner the night before. It was uh, Pochettino and Jesus Perez, his right-hand man, and uh, Daniel Levy and, and Donna Cullen, who's on the, the board there. And uh, um, the, the four of them had been out for dinner and... and Mauricio was very quick to say the next day that Daniel had even shown him the following morning uh, a photo of them on I think it was on the pitch before the Champions League final laughing and joking and smiling and as if to say look you know we are friends we still you know we have this personal relationship and there was a thing wasn't it after after they qualified in in the semi final when all the players were there saluting the fans that he'd got basically Levy sent the stage which I thought was politically was pretty good <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah but 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 you know for a, for a man for a, the chairman for them a for the manager to be telling everyone that the managers had to uh, that he's the chairman's had to show that um was interesting but for Daniel Levy to feel that he had to remind Pochettino that they have had got this great relationship it does mm. show that there are issues there as well between those two. Yeah, talking of, of, of personal issues, what about someone like Deli Alley, a young player who arrived with a you know, bang, he's regressed, as you said, down over the last mm. year. Is his, is his career almost being sucked down the gurgler? Uh, I'd, I'd hesitate to go that far yet, but it... it... Is, is, is the, the plug's not out, but it's it's in that little it's wavering. It's it's on its way out. And I think look, I I, I think Dele Alli he burst onto the scene. He was he was an incredible footballer. I remember uh, a, a mate of mine speaking to one of the lads at MK Dons and saying, "Will he come back on on loan?" Uh, now you've sold him to Tottenham and was was laughed at and was told, "No, look, this this lad's the real deal. He's going to go all the way." And and of course he was he was superb, wasn't he? When he when he arrived at Tottenham, and I think we have to expect that of players, don't we? Yeah. Of that he's age. another lad who's grown up in public, and he has, and he has, but. I, he's also, you know, look, he changed, he changed his agent. Um, so he lost, he, he lost the agent who'd um, managed the first part of his career very, very well. Um, and I think sometimes those off the field changes can can affect players when things like that are going on. Um, I, 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 I think he's in a position now where he needs to, he needs to get hold of his career again and say, look. It's it's up to me now whether I sink or swim. Um, we know he's got the potential to do it. We know he's got the talent to do it. But I mean, absolutely right. It has to be has to be consistent. When you look at the likes of James Madison at uh, mm. at Leicester and the way he's performing now, you know Madison is a, a, a shoe in for uh, the England squads. In if if not next month, then uh, you know when when it reconvenes around March time, you, you've got to imagine he'll be there, and uh, and Deli Ali is going to be the one whose place is under threat. So it's it really is. I think the other the other thing we can't overlook is that throughout all that rise, he was basically fit and firing the whole time. Yeah, never really had to deal with that setback of injuries. You could probably argue that he got 
injured at a bad time, mm. got injured again with in, on England duty, which sometimes reflects, you know, club managers sometimes really dislike that when a player comes back injured. And he's kind of been managing that injury for most of the last year, it feels like. He plays 20 minutes here and then he's not in the squad for the next game, like at the weekend, just wasn't there at all. So I, he really needs to get a grip on that mm. because they've signed Giovanni Lo Celso, they've signed... Tongue and Dombele. They've still got Christian Eriksen, who they weren't necessarily expecting. They've still got Lucas Moore and Hungmin Son. And so there's a lot of options there for Pochettino yeah. that he doesn't need to, he doesn't, he won't feel like he owes Ali any favours to bring him back into that team. He's gonna have to show them that he deserves it. Because mm. until now he's been a he's been a an automatic pick at Tottenham and he isn't that anymore. Well, it, was, it was always because of the way Harry Kane played when when Dele uh, Ali played, it, that partnership was mm. sublime when when it was firing at the start of you know, when they were really getting to know each other and, and just they had this understanding of each other. It's not it's quite, not, yeah. not quite there anymore yeah. because I think, as, as you say, Son's come in. Mora has proved that he can come in for the big games and, and give Tottenham and Harry Kane something a little bit different as well. So, yeah, it's, it's, mm. it's, it's, it's as I say, the plug's, the plug's not out, but, it's, uh, but it, he's got to make sure it doesn't come out. OK. A bit of a leap of faith, this, Dan, but mm -hmm. you are Ed Woodward. Uh, do you keep... Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. I, I never thought he was right for the job as a long-term manager. I think he, he, he overperformed against anyone's expectation as a, as a temporary manager, um, largely because he was this ray of positivity, which was a, a perfect antidote to the kind of glum grimness that, that Jose Mourinho had, had allowed to fester over his final months in charge. Um, but as a long-term manager, I just didn't think there was the substance behind it. Now, this is not all on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer by any means. It's not even... It's a club in stasis, isn't it? It there's is. no and plan, there's no strategy. They're in complete managed decline, and they're in managed decline not just one level above Solskjaer, but two or three levels above Solskjaer. But that, that is... If that's your only argument for keeping a manager, it's a pretty weak one, and it's not one that Ole Solskjaer should be proud of, because... Um, the team is playing far worse than the sum of its admittedly unideal parts. That performance against West Ham at the weekend, West Ham didn't play that well. West Ham just played decent, solid home performance, similar to the one against Norwich when they won 2-0. And then there was, there was no, you know, there was no fireworks, there was no bangs and whistles at, to beat Manchester United. This was no shock. It was just a team playing pretty well and beating an ordinary side. So... Yeah, I, I never thought he was the man for the job, and I still don't think he is. But it's the, again, like we said with Pochettino, it's who do you replace him with? Because at the moment, which Pochettino, manager? Pochettino, well, yeah. but which managers? It, it's usually <coughs> faith from any manager to look at that job and think he's failed, he's failed, he's failed. Everyone above them are failing. I am going to be the man that turns this around. And it, it, you can't. I mean, look, Louis Van Gaal. Proven pedigree as a manager, uh, David Moyes even proven pedigree was a little bit unlucky that the signings he'd got coming in. Cesc Fabregas was lined up. I think Tony Cruz was lined up as well. He got some very good signings ready to come in, but didn't get the chance to work with them. Uh, Jose Mourinho, pretty good pedigree as a manager. You know, whatever people say about Mourinho in recent years, still one of the best, if not the best manager that that uh, football European football has had for the last. Couple of uh, couple of decades, maybe, or maybe the last decade. You know, these are proper managers, but they keep changing what they want to do, and they have to they have to pick which way they're going to go now, and that has to come from Ed Woodward. If it's going to be Pochettino, uh, which would be a very sensible fit given what he's done at Spurs, you know, come in. We've got a core of young players. We've got a few senior season pros around them. 
build the club for the next five, six years, you're not going anywhere. Whereas it's just been reactionary for the last few years and, and the book has to stop with Woodward for that. I do. The one thing I would say about that, I know, I know there's an argument that he should have been as the man who earns the money he's paid to make the big decisions... He, four, four million a year. He, he should he should have been able to rise above the clamour for Solskjaer. But who wouldn't have given Solskjaer the job after eight wins at the mm. start and that win in PSG? It, it was it would have it would have taken an incredibly brave man not to do that. But the key maybe stat, should be the, the brave key man. stat that I saw. Yeah, you know, I think it was Ollie Ollie Kay who quoted it in the nineteen games since basically the PSG win mm. got him the job. They've only won five games. But is, is Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer doing anything differently? Has he done anything differently in terms of his management since then, or was it just that the players performed for eight games because it was a new, it was breath of fresh air, and then they've switched off? Well, we got someone we like, so so it's days. you know it, it, as, as Dan says, you know, look, it's there are so many different levels at the club who need to take the blame for what's going on, but I, I think the, the senior pros at the club they need to take their share of the blame as well. Players like Pogba. Pogba and, you know, Pogba's won everything there is to win in the game. So I'm not, never questioning his ability. Uh, or in his temperament even as well, because to get there, but how is he not doing it consistently? You know, how is he not playing eight out of 10 week after week when he is a potential 10 out of 10 player? And some weeks you get Pogba, he's four and five out of 10. He can't have that. Mm. He's injured at the moment, as is, as is Marcus Rashford. Um, and Rashford's a case in point, someone who's very, you know, relatively young, but, mm-hmm. but great experience. We keep talking about him as promise and potential. When's he going to deliver? I think it's difficult for him because two things. Firstly, he's now the senior striker, central striker at Manchester United. He's pretty much the only one they got. Exactly. Uh, secondly, they play this... Style of football that basically relies now with Daniel James there, basically relies on Daniel James carrying the ball 30, 40 yards up the pitch to even service him. Because Matic sits very deep, McTominay sits pretty deep, Ashley Young isn't the bombing on fullback he used to be, Aaron Wambasaka is ostensibly a defensive fullback rather than a mm. Trent Alexander Arnold. So you've got sort of eight or nine players behind the ball and somehow still aren't defensively you know, secure. Rashford just looks. He's feeding on scraps, which means as a young player, all you want is the ball over and over again. That's what Tottenham did brilliantly with Harry Kane. They said, look, we've got a guy who's absolutely at peak confidence here. Give him the ball as much as you can and just see what he can do. And that was Rashford in his first few months at Manchester United. Every time he touched the ball, he was in. They're just not doing that anymore. They're just not servicing him. And Romelu Lukaku's form tailed off very badly at Manchester United. But he again said... I'm touching the ball like 15 times a game here. I want to touch it 50 times a game. I want mm. us to be really flowing forward. And I just feel like he's being kind of watermarked and damaged by United's play. Yeah, is, is the problem one of recruitment? You know, you talk about Lukaku there. They allow Lukaku to go without getting someone in to replace mm. him beforehand. Mm. They're, you know, use the word knee-jerk, they're... they're Recruitment has been reactionary, yeah, isn't it? Well, it has, but it's, it's been the recruitment of a club who've had a different manager with a different philosophy every two years. If, you know, if, if they have some continuity... Look, Swansea is a great example of what happens. I, I know things have tailed off for them now, and, and to compare them to Manchester United may be a bit daft, but you know, they've got managers with the same philosophy in time after time after time. So the players were there, but managers come in, are coming into Manchester United, 
Jose Mourinho plays a different style of football to Louis van Gaal. He plays a different style of football to David Moyes, who played a different style of football to Sir Alex Ferguson. And so every time they want to change and they want to buy players. Mourinho wanted all these big strapping lads who are perhaps not as quick as the, the, the type of footballer that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer would want afterwards. And it, it just doesn't work. You have to have uh, consistent recruitment of players who are going to fit into a, a system that the club have identified, that's the way they want to play. Mm. And unless they bring in someone, unless they give Ole and say, you're the man for the next five years, regardless of how we're doing at the moment, we're going to stick by, you're going to usher out the older guards, you're going to bring in players to complement the likes of James and Rashford and Martial. Or they give the next manager, whoever that is, if it's Pochettino, whoever it is, give him five years and say, rebuild this club and put the basis there. Because when you, when you look at it, the one thing I always wonder about Manchester United is who is actually calling the shots. Mm. Because an affable personality though he is, Ali Gonzalez doesn't seem to exude authority to me. So who's at the back? Is it still Alex Ferguson? I think Solskjaer is a... <laughs> The, the impression you get when he talks is that he's a man who's happy to be there, quite frankly. And that sounds pretty patronising for a man who has won a league title. But, you know, UEFA ranked those leagues and the Norwegian league is ranked at about the same level as League One in England in terms of standard. So Manchester United was always a huge jump in class. And there's an argument to say that appointing a guy who is used to successful experience where Manchester United were a completely different club... Is completely counterproductive because, you know, this, and it's become a bit of a running joke, this sort of well back in 99 or taking the players to the cliff training ground and things like that. Those things are nice for the odd soundbite, but they don't actually mean that much anymore. You know, the stories in pre season about him, right, we're going to go to double training sessions and gruelling fitness runs and this sort of thing. And suddenly Martial and Rashford and Luke Shaw have all got muscle injuries and it's only September and they're in four competitions. It just feels like he's, he's not up to the task for me. Now, I agree they need to stick with someone at some point. But if, they had to, if, they, if there's any sense that they've made a mistake now, it would be damaging to keep, stick with it for, mm. for its own sake. I'm, I'm not sure if, if, if Sir Alex... Do you think it would be damaging to stick with it till the end of the season, though? Uh, or, or at least until March? I mean, I, 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 there, is a, there, there has to be a deadline of if we're out of the Champions League for this many seasons, then... Mm. It, how, how, long, how long can I afford not to be in the Champions League? Probably a couple more years, I think. If it's as part of a process and that there is some movement in the right direction, I think they can afford to be without it for a couple of years now because the financial might of the club is enough that they will still keep players. You know, David De Gea signed a new contract mm. last week. Now, you know, that's no, no guarantee he stays in the long term, but it's a, it's a pointer towards it. So I, I think they're still a big club and there is an ego of certainly managers, maybe even players, where they say, right... I want to be the guy to turn this club around. Mm. I want to be the guy that scores 30 league goals in the season of Manchester United for the first time in X years. So there is some of that, but my goodness, they need to get it right soon. And the, the one thing you would, you would say is, like, the, the, with Pochettino, I know his name keeps coming up, we keep going back to him, and you know he's been linked with United a lot. They've gone for him a couple of times over the years. But what he's not getting at Tottenham, which is... Right, you, you do everything. You, you mould this squad. To be fair to Ed Woodward, he's giving... Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, he's backed him in the transfer. He backed all his managers in the transfer market. It was him that didn't. It was Solskjaer that didn't want a Lukaku replacement, wasn't it? It wasn't Absolutely. The, the money has been made available. So, you know, managers like Pochettino will be looking at that and thinking, imagine what I could do with £80 million for one player in the summer, or, you know, and, and then still buy a couple of players around it as well. Uh, 
you know, I, it's still a job that, as Dan says, managers will cover massively. Mm. Talking of managers, um, Watford sacked uh, Javi Garcia while they were still restructuring their scouting and recruitment department. Um, Andy Scott, who was the sporting director, left in the summer. Some of the English scouts have now walked with him. Um, will that cost Watford their place in the Premier League? It might do. I think I've said on here before, and I think they were at one point in time the best run club in the Premier League because they had a system of scouting and recruitment that fitted the manager's needs. He was part of that transfer committee. He called the shots, but he also kind of delegated that expertise to you know both analysis and you know in-person scouting and they really had it it looked like it was running well but it shows as with Southampton for those smaller clubs smaller in inverted commas um, you only have to get one summer wrong and you're in big trouble you know they haven't kept a clean sheet since February they've got make-do defenders decent pros but no they needed some other defenders and they, as you, they only bought Craig Dawson from the championship again another good pro an honest pro but not not enough and it looks like they're paying the price. Mm. It really does. Um, I think they had to get rid of Gracia. I think that, that was probably the right decision. I think even he accepted that he'd kind of lost his magic touch. He was struggling to motivate and kind of inspire the players. As Tom says, after that FA Cup, for the kind of effect of that FA Cup final defeat. Um, but in going back to Sanchez Flores, it's a risk because he already had that little decline. And, mm. and you know, they've got thrunk to... Manchester City. Yeah, which... and that, but that, that, that sort of defeat suggests to me that maybe they weren't right to sack Grazia because is it the manager? You know, to, to turn in a performance like that in your second game under a new manager is, mm. is just incredible. And, you know, look, the, Ben Foster's interview on Match of the Day afterwards was, was very interesting. There'll be some people who'll say he was laughing and joking about it and, uh, you know, that, that, that shouldn't be allowed to happen. I... I went the other way. I thought that looked like a man who was wholly embarrassed and almost, at least he put his head above the parapet to, you know, say, you know, be wholly embarrassed by it and, and perhaps, you know, the laughter was masking that side of it. But it's it, it seriously worrying. I know they've been without Troy Deeney um, and, and his character, you know, out on the field is, is, is a huge boost <coughs> to them. But, um, yeah, they've got some serious worries there at the moment. Yeah. I'll ask you the same question again, Dan, but just, just replace Watford and Javi Garcia with Newcastle and Rafa Benitez. Are they in the same problem? You know, Steve Bruce might have convinced a few fans with his, uh, mm. his urgency, but that team at the moment is looking bang on rele relegation material. Yeah, and it's a slightly different situation in that I, I can categorically say I never said that Newcastle were the best run <laughs> club in the Premier League. Maybe the worst, but... Um, yeah, they've got, a, they've got a huge problem on their hands. The, the thing with Rafa Benitez is his team's quite often started slowly and almost always approached games in the first half of the season with a kind of defensive mindset. But between mid-January and the end of the season, last season, they were fifth in the Premier League and only four teams scored more goals. So they kind of came out their shell. I don't really see that with Steve Bruce. Now, I might be wrong. It might be that this is all part of a plan to then become expansive in the second half of the season. But even he, after the game on Saturday, was saying... If anything, I'm going to try and go more conservative because I mean, they made Brighton look like Barcelona, basically. They allowed them to pass and move, but they had no counter-attacking threat. And, and the difference this season is that there's a £40 million striker there and there's a winger in Alan San Maximan who was really good in Liga, And, you know, need, they need to be getting more out of those players because 
There were 7,000 empty seats at St James's on Saturday. Yeah. And, and if there was any sense that those supporters might have made a mistake and were ready to come back, because most of them are season, are season ticket holders who just haven't turned up, performances like that aren't going to inspire anyone. You yeah. might as well stay at home because it was, it was dire. I think yeah. with the greatest of respect to Javi Grazia as well, replacing him is very different to replacing Rafa Benitez at a mm. club. You know, I mean, that, that, that to be, to be where, wherever you sit on the great Mike Ashley debate, that was a hard, a hard appointment to make. And, and again, you know, you, you think back to United, I know he, the dynasty wasn't there like it was with Sir Alex, uh, but coming in and replacing a man who's adored and idolised by fans like that, it, it's, it's just a poison chalice. And I think for Steve Bruce... I, I, I understand why he took the job, Newcastle boy, the whole links to Wolves End Boys Club. It's poison chalice for him because he's, he's destined to fail. Is, is there Whoever almost, came in was destined to fail. There's almost an element of desperation to it, which actually probably spills over into the Andy Carroll situation, where you know, people are hoping against hope that he stays fit for more than five minutes so that they can lump the ball to him. <laughs> but to be fair to Andy Carroll, I've seen him come on a score within five minutes <laughs> yeah. that, you know, and score some very good goals. I mean, look, the, the Carroll signing, given the, the amount of money involved, I think I read the other week, it was something like you know, 25 grand a week, which, look, you know, in, in football terms is... We'd accept is, it. I, I, well, you, you might, might. <laughs> uh, but in football, look, in football terms, it's a pittance, really, in Premier League terms. Uh, but Andy Carroll can, if he scores six, seven, eight goals coming off the bench this season, then it can be the difference of a couple of places, that, you know. Um, so I, 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 I hesitate to say that it, it was desperation, but fundamentally at, the, uh, at Newcastle, there, there are bigger issues than the 11 players that are getting put out week after week and um, until that's resolved then the whole place is not it's never going to be smooth and plain mm. sailing let's look at Everton please Dan mm -hmm. um, Marco Silva five clubs in five years he's risen pretty much without trace is he being found out yet again at Everton yeah I'm kind of predisposed to to, to like him. You speak to people and they say there's something there. You know, they saw something when he was managing Portugal uh, and in Greece, there was something there that they thought could work. But, yeah, he's kind of running out of chances if the, if the Everton job goes badly. They're, they're bizarre, Everton. They're just finding new ways to lose. There's only Liverpool and Man City who have conceded fewer, sh conceded fewer shots this season than them. And only Liverpool have conceded fewer shots on target. So they feel resolute and yet they're conceding in ones and twos very, all the time. It's it two, two goals incredible. in the last five games. Right, but yeah. Incredible to lose 2 0 and the opposition yeah, have one shot on target. I mean, it's just, <laughs> Which, just astonishing. It, maybe that suggests that they're one click away from it all falling into place, or maybe it suggests that they're not being managed very well and that some of their parts are being misused. But they spent, you know, two years ago they spent 100 million and finished eighth. Last year they spent 100 million and finished eighth. They spent 100 million this year and they look like they'll probably finish about eighth. So, yeah, something needs to change because that's not why he was brought in. And ahead of the ground move, they want to be genuine top six challengers. And this, so far, feels like the season where there might be a new top six challenger. And Everton really, well, Marcus Silva really needs to make sure it's Everton because if it's Leicester or West Ham or even a, you know, Bournemouth are doing well at the moment, then that... That paints Silver in a pretty bad light, yeah. Mm. He looked shell-shocked, didn't he, as well, in his interviews after the Sheffield United game. Mm. Like, he just couldn't explain what had happened, and that's never a good look. Mm. You know, at least, at least if a manager were to come out and front up and say, look, lads, it's football, lads and lasses, it's football. We, we had 
they had one shot on target. They've beaten us 2 0. It's an anomaly. These games can happen. And I think people would have accepted that more than if sort of the puffing out of the cheeks and, uh, you know, don't really know what's just happened. Um, and that, that again, smacked of a manager who, from one week to the next, is mm. struggling mm. a little bit for consistency. You saw uh, Bournemouth on Friday night. Yeah. Um, it seems to me, looking at it from a distance, not seeing the season, that Eddie Howe is in yet another transitional phase. Is he the sort of manager, I know we've talked about him in the past, but is he the sort of manager who is ready now for that next move up? My, my jury's still out on Eddie Howe. I don't know whether he's a fantastic manager uh, of, of Bournemouth Football Club because everything fits in terms of his personality fits the club, the club fits his personality, uh, he's close to home. Uh, and I, I'm not judging that on the one trip away to, to Burnley or the, the one time he, he, he left the club to come back. I just, you know, sometimes sometimes everything is right. Mm. Um, and I, I disagree slightly that he's, he's in a transitional period. I think actually last year was maybe the transitional stage and I look at them this year and think that they are now bang on, you know, the, the sort of side that they should be challenging. I think ninth is their best ever finish in the Premier League and I, I know points-wise supporters might argue that they've had better seasons than the year they finished ninth, but in terms of their Premier League finish, they've they've gone downhill a little. Um, but I think they've got the players now. I think Philip Billings, I didn't really see much of him last year at Huddersfield, but I really like the look of him in this Bournemouth side. I think he's a very clever, very astute signing. And him and Jefferson Lerma look really good, really hard um, players. But he walked past me in the mix zone the other night and we were sort of having this chat earlier about other players who, when, when you, you see them, you're like, crikey, they're taller and, and bigger and more powerful than you think when you see him on telly. I mean, look, I'm only 5'9", but you're sort of looking up and this man is an absolute monster of a player and a terrific, terrific athlete, incredible physique and build. And uh, I think with him hardening that midfield up a bit and adding a little bit more protection for the defence and, and with some of the, the players that they've got now, I, th I think Eddie Howe's in a great position to take Bournemouth to maybe get them to eighth, but, seventh this year. They have got a young squad as well now. I they think have, seven yeah. of the 11 on Friday night were 24 and under and there was a few more on the, you know, a few more youngsters on the bench. He feels a manager, Eddie Howe, that is good for young players, doesn't mm. he? He feels like he would be a, he would be a sensational youth coach mm. kind of bringing through players. And that sort of facet is attractive to big clubs. They like to see that because they kind of trust the big players to manage themselves and get on with it themselves nowadays, whereas the young players might need a bit more cherishing. It should also be said, you know, Tom very rightly says that everything's fit for him at Bournemouth. He also doesn't seem to have any... It's not. It's not a lack of ambition that means he won't leave Bournemouth. No, it's just not happy. at all. No, you know, it's, it's, just, it's yeah. So everything it, it, feels it works, right for him. Yeah. And why would he want to move? He's got. He's had the opportunity. Look, big, mm. big, big clubs have, have come in for him before. Um, I think it's been written there was an opportunity for him at Liverpool a few years ago, but just wasn't wasn't right for him at the time. Uh, and I, you know, even now, when when you think about that Manchester United job, would who who would you go for? Would you go for Pochettino or how? I think I think Spurs is the obvious. Next, in terms of the step up, Spurs, Spurs or Arsenal, one. maybe. Yeah. I mean, even Arsenal. You know, that that was he always looked like he'd be a natural fit for mm. for for them. But 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 look, the one point we also ought to make. I mean, he's been very very good for players like Nathan Aki, who is a terrific defender. Um, you know, he's clearly got the best out of the likes of Steve Cook and other players, Charlie Daniels, who've come come up with him. But I I, I just wonder whether he when he makes that step up to work with 
the higher caliber players, whether they're the sort that he, you know, will really get the best out of. And and and, and also Bournemouth, they're not poor little Bournemouth, by the way, down on the <laughs> south coast. They have got plenty of money, so they can afford to buy quality players for him to work with as well. You saw um, Leicester mm. at the weekend, Dan. Um, you had um, obviously a group of young players there who are not quite clicked yet, but they do look like probably the team that will benefit from the other sort of teams who usually finish between third and sixth mm. falling off a bit. Yeah, and uh, seen that before as well. Yes, we? indeed. Yeah. <laughs> and after this coming weekend, they, you know, they played played Liverpool. In, the, in a couple of weeks, they'll have played most of the teams above them or around them as well, and not disgrace themselves against any of them. You know, they they drew at Stamford Bridge, they drew against Wolves, uh, they've beaten Tottenham, they've shown it, and and I've seen them three times this season, and they've not played brilliantly yet. They've certainly not produced a complete performance yet, and yet they're already knocking on the door of, you know, of top. Well, you know, they're in the top six, and they they're knocking on the door of staying there. So, I, I can't quite work them out in that. They look like they play, they want to be a counter-attacking team, but I think if they are going to establish themselves in the top six, I think everyone's wise now to Leicester sitting back and then hitting you on the break because that's how they, that's how they humbled everyone before. Mm. So I think they kind of need a second gear. And I think at Old Trafford we saw maybe that, that accusation against Rodgers of lacking this plan B maybe carried some weight. He's very philosophical, Rodgers. He wants to do everything his way and he believes in the process. And if, if they get their process right, no one will be able to stop them. He's not had long there, though, has he? No, he to, hasn't. To, no, to, no. You know, I mean, we're talking about a manager who's only been in what, no, no, a couple no, of months at the end true. of last season. Well, not even that, a couple of months at the start of this season. Mm. Um, lost his best defender in, you know, in the summer mm. as well. And, and the, it looks like... Not it, been missed, has he? No, and, and looks like he's been replaced. He was a savvy, savvy replacement. Um, I, 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 you know, I agree with Dan. I, there, there has got to be that, that plan B, but I wonder whether that will mm. come over the course of the season and we the say, more he works with his players. Yeah, we say you need a plan B, actually, at the moment. You look at the, the way some of the top six clubs are falling apart and... Maybe you don't. Maybe you don't. Maybe yeah. sticking to guns is good enough. But you know, we're in a situation that the top two are miles ahead of the rest. Uh, Jurgen Klopp, after the win at Chelsea, talked about Manchester City as the best team in the world. Was he on the wind-up? Uh, I think he knows what he's doing, and I think it's pretty obvious what he's doing. He, he sees Liverpool, he sees himself best when he's managing an underdog. You know, He did at Mainz, he certainly did at Dortmund, and he likes that he's got Liverpool in that basically in that Dortmund scenario of we've got this financial might ahead of us, but we are the real club. We're the club of the people. We're the, you know, we're the neutrals favourites. Whether it's true or not, that's how he sells himself to his players. And it's in his interest to do that because it inspires them. And th there is no better manager in world football at the moment inspiring his players. Yeah. I, I think I said it here last time I came in, but it's amazing how quickly Liverpool being very good has become normalised. You know, if they win their next four games, they'll set the all-time English record for most wins, league wins in a row. That's astonishing for a club like Liverpool. Two seasons ago, there were 25 points yeah. behind City. So it's how quickly that's become normalised is, is astonishing because, you know, they wobbled in the last 10 minutes at Stamford Bridge, mm. but we're watching a team that is winning away at a big six, six rival. 2016-17, two seasons ago, they got one point away at big six teams in five games. Now it's, oh, they might fail. Oh, no, they've won at Stamford Bridge. Oh, they've beaten so-and-so. It's astonishing, it really is. And Gary, Gary Neville made this point a couple of weeks ago, didn't he, that you know, clubs can only... There are only a couple of really, really good signings. Uh, I, I, know, I know it's very difficult to sign a Van Dyke to, to mm. sign an Alisson or a Salah, but, but 
you know, Manchester United, it would be folly to write them off for the next decade, you know, the next five years even. But if they can make a couple of really inspired signings in the next transfer window or two, then they're right back in it. Mm. But with Klopp, you know, you, you look at Klopp, 92 wins in the 150 Premier League matches he's managed. Yeah. Um, is his impact embodied not by the front three, although they are, as you said earlier on, the best in the world, but how he can get a tune out of a, a goalkeeper who was surplus to requirements at West Ham, Adrian? Uh, yeah, I mean, look, Jurgen Klopp should take his fair share of the credit for that. But also, if you're a footballer and you go to Liverpool then, or you go to any of the really big clubs in world or European football, then it's inevitable that you're going to raise your game. And particularly when you're handed a chance at the start of the season to mm. play in the Super Cup and then all of a sudden be... The, you know, he was going there just to be number two, to, to, to keep Alisson sharp and provide him with backup, help him in training and maybe play a League Cup game and be called upon you know, when he could. But, so it's, it's only natural. If Jurgen Klopp can keep Adrian, if he needs him for the entirety of this season, which obviously he won't, but if he needed him, if he can keep him at that level for the entire campaign, then, yeah, we can... Say that, but I, I think there's it's a, all that facilitation of a mood, isn't it? Which I think is really brilliant. At. Yeah, oh, no, he is. And, and, and as I say, I, I don't want to, I'm not taking anything from him because he's, he's clearly created an environment at, at Melwood that, that is that is incredible. You know, he's got this great mix of young, exciting, talented players like uh, Gomez and Alexander Arnold, and he's married them with Sadio Mane, who I, you know, I remember being on the sofa with Darren Lewis, and I, you know, I questioned whether he was ready for the move to Real Madrid. I think now you look at him and think. You know, if they did come for him, that yeah, you could you mm. could see that. Um, no, look, Klopp, Klopp's an incredible manager. He's he's doing a brilliant job. Yeah. There. One thing he said um, after that Chelsea win, which struck a chord with me, mm -hmm. which is, without character, life is difficult and football is impossible. Mm. I think we saw a bit of that, didn't we, at Chelsea? Yeah, it's 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 having the quality to make the difference in matches, and then to give them the lead in matches, and then having the character to hold on to it and to make sure they. They keep it and they will be tested throughout the season. As I say, Klopp prefers or Klopp flourishes, I think, is this selling himself and his team as the underdogs. Mourinho used to do it brilliantly as well, that kind of little horse thing he did at Chelsea. But that does work because it enables you to kind of go under the radar. Liverpool's challenge now is last season when they led the league, that lead slipped away eventually. You know, not by huge errors, but by eventually being eroded away. All he wants now is he's reminding his players nothing can slip, mm. nothing can slip because Manchester City will be ready to take them on. But I, 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 I picked Manchester City as title winners at the start of the season. It's September and I've already changed my mind because the relentlessness of their run of victories and the form of players like Alexander-Arnold. You know, only De Bruyne has created more chances than Alexander-Arnold this season in the Premier League. Like Turning a 20-year-old, you, you know, young kid, and of course there's a lot of talent there, but... Nobody saw him being the, be you know, the best right-back or one of the best full-backs in Europe at 20. That's Klopp. That's what he's done. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I'd, it is all about character because Klopp is as well. But don't let that overshadow the immense quality in that And, and also the organisation, you know, the set-piece work that they do. 34 goals from set-pieces since the start of last season. Yeah. That showed up against Chelsea. Mm. Chelsea were applauded off after losing. Now, there's a Frank Lampard feel-good factor... Um, how long will that last? But how impressed have you been with the way the Chelsea project is developing? It's character again, Mike. You know, it, 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 that, that feel-good factor will, will only take you so far. Um, but when, when he went into Derby at the start of last season, 
he immediately changed the feeling and the mood around the club because he went to a more exciting system. He brought in exciting young players uh, in, in Mount Tamori, who was brilliant at Derby last year and often got overshadowed by, uh, by Mount and Harry Wilson. But he, he brought those three in and, and, and he did on a smaller level what he's now doing at Chelsea uh, on, on a much bigger level. Um, I, I, I saw them last week in the uh, the Champions League against Valencia and they were actually the better side. I thought they were unlucky to lose but Jasper Sillison made a few very good saves. Um, but again, that, that, that will come, won't it, because of the, the youthfulness of a lot of the players in the team. You know, we're only we're only probably twelve months away from seeing them really click into a, a really really good side. Um, I, I think Frank deserves an immense amount of credit for that, and I, I think he plays football uh, that's vibrant, and, and he knows what Chelsea fans want to see, um, and, and he's he's given it to them. And I think, given the narrative of the the season, the fact they haven't got well, they've got the transfer banners as things stand, he's he's got. A blank canvas to work with this year, and uh, you know I, I think he'll he'll get at least this year. There will the the fans seem to have bought into it and understand that uh, uh, that there will be a few bumps in the road, but on the whole, it's going to be a positive season. Mm. What about Arsenal? Are they taking the Chelsea example as well? You had um, Saka at the weekend starting. Mm. Um, you've got um, you know Willock has done exceptionally well. Um, it was a really chaotic win over <laughs> over Aston Villa. But is that almost like the sort of little dustbin, in, uh, sorry, the, the diamond in the in the rough for, for Arsenal? Yeah, I mean, with Frank Lampard, it, f- it feels very much out of design. With Unai Emery, I'm not sure. It almost feels like it's a roll the dice every week and see what number comes up. Because they are, I think I said they're the accidental entertainers. They are that. <laughs> you know, they, they are winning games 3-2 out of nowhere. They are losing games. You know, the, Watford, they concede a two-goal lead. Villa, they come twice from behind to win it. You just, you literally don't know what you're going to get from them. And that is not really a compliment for a big six team. What we want with a big six team is a, a kind of certainty what you're going to get. Even if that certainty is, as with Lampard's Chelsea, that there'll be bumps in the road, at least you can see the process. I'm not sure you can really see the process in Arsenal. I think what they've got is an, an incredible goal scorer in Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who is getting them out of a number of holes at the moment. And players like Matteo Guendouzi, Yes, you can see what's happening there. You can see the process. But with some of them, I don't think you can. Yeah. Um, Aubameyang, how many goals would he score playing for Liverpool or, uh, or Manchester City? Frightening, frightening number of goals. He's just a, just a natural goal scorer. I, I think, you know, when you, when you think back about the players who've really got you off your seats in, in this job, and, uh, you know, look, we're very, very lucky to, to get to go and watch different teams every week. And Drogba and Rooney always used to do that. Costa, I used to love the menace of watching him play because you never knew what you were going to get. But Aubameyang's up there with, with those as, as just, you know, I've, I've seen him make goals out of nothing and, and take games by the scruff of its neck. And yeah, it, you know, look, there's no surprise that Manchester United were linked with him in the summer because I, 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 you think that any any of the big sides would cover having him in there. Their squad. I actually, you know, I, I just said about uh, what, what Gary Neville said about only being a couple of signings away from having a really good side. And I, I actually think Arsenal are, are in that bracket because if they had uh, Burnt Leno, maybe the jury's still out on him a little bit, so we'd give him the benefit of the doubt. But if they had one really, really strong centre half who's roughly Van Dyke class with a midfielder to complement Gwendouzi, then I think, you know, they could be a superb side. Okay, let's finish if we can with the League Cup. Now, Arsenal are at at your club 
Forest. Mm. Um, Liverpool reserves are going to be playing at Milton Keynes Dons. I'm, I have to say, completely underwhelmed by the, the League Cup. Um, is there a future for it? it? It feels as sad as it is to say that there is less of a future for it every season, I have to say. I think if we, we, were, if we were ripping up the rule book and starting again, I think we would probably have, given the amount of, of European competition and given the intensity of the Premier League, I think you would probably say, right, we'll have a cup competition and a league and Europe. Europe. I think if we were starting again, we would only have two comp- domestic competitions. Having got the League Cup, it does feel like, to me, a massive shame to get rid of it. Mm. Um, and it has provided some teams with, you know, I think of Swansea and Bradford, Car- Cardiff, and it has provided clubs with great moments. But increasingly, the game is kind of led by those big six, and yeah. there's no doubt that they have care- ever cared about it less. I'd, I'd ban the top 10 Premier League finishers from playing in it the year after um, I, I just think it, you know there are still teams who would love to win uh, a League Cup um, even I mean, if you said you're in Europe or you're in the League Cup or absolutely something like yeah, yeah. yeah you know look you, you can't tell me that the supporters of Everton West Ham uh, Watford wouldn't love to go to Wembley and win the League Cup mid-season it, it, it's still you know and, that, and that's that. there's so many more clubs would love to do it but it, it's just become for the very very big boys it's not worthwhile. Well, I agree with the guys. In its current form, the League Cup is past its sell-by date. Thanks for joining us here on the Football Writers Podcast. Love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.